Welcome to the Learning Reinvented podcast brought to you by myself, James Politilo, and the team from The Learning Effect. There are lots of learning podcasts out there, so we wanted to do something slightly different. This week, I'm talking to Matt Murphy and exploring his own personal learning journey. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? Really good, thank you. It's great that you can join us today. Now, you're someone who's worked alongside learning, not necessarily within learning, but you've supported lots of learning teams in your roles in the past in what you've done and also some of the work you do now. But also you're someone who's obviously been on a learning journey yourself as well. So you've been on a journey of discovery and you're, you're an individual who's, you know, learning in your both professional work, but also about yourself and, and your wider approach to things. So really wanted to explore those things with you today. So do you want to give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, certainly. Um, so first of all, when you say you know, uh, you've done a lot of learning, I still am every day, <laughs> like most of us are. Um, but in terms of um, a bit, bit of my background, um, I was born in uh, in Margate in the southeast, and I, that's where I still currently uh, reside, that's south, southeast England. Um, and uh, I, I grew up, went to, I went through the system, you know, I was, you know, there's lots of, I don't, I can't speak for the, the youth of today, but um, I'm sure there's a lot more avenues that people can can take. Um, when I, I, I went to a primary school, secondary school, and then I went to an art college for two years and did a foundation degree at a place called um, Kyad at the time, which was Kent Institute of Art and Design. I think it's changed to something like UCCA now. Um, Built up my portfolio, uh, went off to university and uh, I went to Kingston University. I did one year of photography and graphic design and then the two years of just straight graphic design. I, I switched halfway through well, after the first year and uh, thought that graphic design would be better for me. Um, there's a few reasons. For, I, I could probably talk about that, but I, I didn't. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be one of these people that says, oh, this, the, the tutors weren't good. They, they weren't giving me what I wanted, but I genuinely thought that uh, it was the first year that they were doing a photography course, and um, I just was struggling. There was there was things I wanted to know answers to, in particular things like um, the legalities of what we can and can't photograph, and that was just something that we just weren't being taught. Um, so after the first year, I thought, well, do you know what? I can go over to graphic design, and I could answer a brief with photography. You know, why am I? Why am I wasting my time with that? You know, so uh, so that's what I did. So I did two years. I finished um, my my degree um, in graphic design, and uh, the idea was to uh, to head off to universe. Uh, sorry, head off to London, um, and uh, work for a big advertising agency or, or something like that. And um, I went home, um, just in my mind for a temporary, uh, temporarily, and. Uh, in the end, I got a job down in the southeast, and it was quite comfortable. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I went into a, into a, a studio business, a graphic design business there, and um, that's uh, that's where I, I learned. I, I, I learned a lot um, in there actually. And, that, and one of the things I would say is, as uh, in terms of learning, um, I went into a graphic design business, and we the, the company was small, and we were responsible for printing the things that we produce. So if we produce flyers and things like that, we would then have to export uh, export them for print, you know, lay them up on a, a, a sorry, three piece of paper and uh, take them downstairs and print them out, you know, align them, uh, put them on the guillotine, cut them up. So I was involved in every single part of the process of, of everything that I produced. 
and um, that was in terms of learning how to set up for print and um, what problems you might face and the mechanics of how things fold and things like that like was incredibly um, good for for the design for, for learning how to design ironically um, and I did that for five years and uh, I got to, I got to a point where I thought you know I want to leave and do something on my own and it was it was actually I loved I loved where I worked I loved the people it was great but I, I just was at a point in my life where I thought I think I could be more creative and it, and it was that was the thing that was really driving me um, so I left um, some clients followed um, <laughs> I think diplomatic there um, uh, yeah I think it, it was a, it was the same way that um, the business I worked for the, the, the chap who I still speak with I'm good friends with him still now um, it's the same way that he started, so he has un understanding of it. And I think that one thing that I th he really appreciated was that he never found out anything from anyone else. If I was going to, uh, if I was delivering him bad news, I would, you know, I would tell him. You know, it was, it was, it was out of respect, and he he respected that. <laughs> um, I don't know if he if he does listen to this, maybe he's harboring a few things and he wants to get in touch. Then just <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> um, but that was a. Gosh, that was six, seven, eight, eight years ago. Eight years ago now. Um, I think if he's still harboring some things, then maybe we should talk. But, uh, but no, I, I left that, uh, that business and um, I picked up some clients as well as the ones that, that followed um, and started building my own business. I started trying to employ people, found out fairly soon that I was not a great employer. Um, I made friends with my employees, um, and I, I, this this all rolls into a big sort of uh, a wider piece about my personality. To be honest, <laughs> um, I'm I'm, uh, I'm quite agreeable. I'm kind. I try to be kind, and it hasn't served. It, it didn't serve me, um, and uh, that's something I learned the hard way. I say the hard way, but it, it could have been a lot worse. But you know, I think in terms of learning things like that, I think you have to go through those experiences and the only way that you will figure things out is if you actually sit back and look at them and actually break them apart and digest them um, I guess the people that don't learn from those sorts of experiences they don't do that and there's no guarantees that we don't just fall back into the same into the same um, routine but I have not tried to employ anyone since I I, I, uh, I think maybe 2017 2018 and I just thought to myself do you know what Matt you're on your own here <laughs> so uh I started, uh, I just worked, I was working for myself um, and you know, 2019 came along. Um, I started to pivot slightly and move away because my, my business is, um, was called Underline Creative and the words uh, creative was literally underlined because that was the, the thing that I was passionate about being creative and I wanted that to be more of the focus. Um, but I started to pivot and when I decided not to, that I was going to move away from ha having my own company and, and employing lots of people, um, I changed it to Murphy Creative, and that's what it is today. Um, that is, it's not a, it's not a register. This is kind of not important, but it's not, it's not the name of the business. Um, yeah, um, but it felt like sort of, it felt right if I was going to be on my own, and people use my business for for me and who I am. That my name should be what the business is, and. Um, 
and my my logo is actually my, me writing my my name you know like Paul, a bit like Paul Smith but mm-hmm. not, not as not as global um, <laughs> and uh, yeah so obviously the pandemic hit um, I managed to um, some work fell off a cliff I worked a lot for the pub pub industry as you know and um, that's you know what we kind of know what happened to that uh, but I managed to get work with some other clients who were changing the stuff that they were doing and a client of mine called the Royal College of Pathologists were obviously very in, involved with um, with what was going on with the pandemic and um, I did a lot of webinar editing um, and uh, yeah I've been doing things like that and pivoting more towards video um, graphic design is definitely my bread and butter um, but I'm still at a point where I'm trying to follow a passion so that's that's where I'm at the minute um, one of the hardest things that I find to do actually is to describe what I do for a living. Um, I think if you asked 10, 10 of my clients over the last years, they would all give you different answers. <laughs> I, th- I think that's not necessarily surprising, Matt, because you're a small, you know, you're a small business, you're, a, you know, you're a personal business providing that service that's bespoke to each of those clients. So it's going to be a very unique experience for each of those companies or people working with you I, I love that sort of backstory of you going through and saying right you know in your first job you managing that end-to-end process in a in a small business where you're you know you understand from beginning to end exactly what happens and then you almost learn the impact you can have on everyone else through that process which is not just within your career but in lots of people's careers where they're in a smaller more focused business and they can see everything end to end rather than someone who's in a global corporate and does a tiny little bit of the process and doesn't Mm -hmm. see the impact or doesn't see that knock-on effect so you know I think just learning that and knowing what you've been through and you know that starts start of your career which wasn't necessarily planned but that's given you probably the firm foundation to go on Mm -hmm. to the for the rest of your career and then like you said, falling into, all right, I'm, I'm going to get big, I'm going to employ people, I'm going to go and do this. And then <laughs> working out that's not your bag. I think lots of people do that. And, you know, you either go for what's expected or you look at what's the next logical step in your career. And and sometimes people don't have that insight or, or ability to step back and go, actually, that's not me or that's not working for me. And they keep pursuing that. So the fact mm-hmm. you've you've switched and changed and realigned and, and learned along that way. And I know, as you said right at the beginning, you're you're still learning. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is about learning about you and how you approach things. So do you want to tell us a little yeah. bit more about <laughs> that journey? Yeah. <laughs> learning about myself. Yeah, that's been uh, that's been um, a bit of a crazy one. Uh, I feel like uh, it only really got started um, around 2018. I mean, I'm 35, 35 years old now. So uh, yeah, in 2018, when I was about 30, 31, um, I got divorced, and it kind of um, started a chain of, of a chain reaction of events. Um, I'd been a very, I'd been in a very long term relationship, and um, you know, I. I got divorced and I had to face, uh, I can be quite introspective anyway, I think. And I, th- I think a lot, I think it's one of the reasons why I do the job I do. Um, but when I turned that thinking power onto, uh, onto myself, um, it can, it can be, sometimes it can be quite destructive, but sometimes, and quite a lot of the time, um, you know, it can be helpful and helps me develop myself, you know? Um, and I, and I am, uh, 
very open to uh, I was I wrote this down actually before we were starting because I think it's one of the most fundamental things about about me is that for a long time I was almost too open-minded and listened and took other people's opinions of me on way too much and I and there's I don't know exactly where that comes from um, but uh, I think as I'm getting older and starting to understand myself I, I'm finding a, a balance between listening to people, appreciating what I don't know and trusting them, and when to actually trust my own instincts and say, okay, well, actually, no, I don't believe that. This is this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to proceed. I think there's that fine balance. And and before um, before 2018, I think that I would just take other other people's words as gospel, you know. Um, and I read a book when I was younger. Uh, called uh, It's Not How Good You Are, It's How Good You Want To Be by, by a, a, a designer called Paul Arden. And there was one part of that book that, that stuck out to me. Um, and uh, it's about it's about being part of a process and blame. And it, it, a good example would be this. So you know, graphic designer gets a brief. Um, it comes through, does the, does, the, does the work, produces the flyer, for instance, sends it back to the client. And uh, client proofs it off. Everything's okay. It's fine. Goes to print. And this has happened various times in my life. And then the next thing that happens is there's a typo or there's a mistake on it. Now, where's the blame here? Who's the person who's responsible for this? Um, I've met people in my life who would say um, totally on the client. They proofed it off. They signed it off, etc. But in this book by Paul Arden, it said that. It was a, it's actually quite an interesting graphic. It's a, it's a picture of a, a boy. Uh, it's an old school, it's a very old drawing and it's, it sounds very odd, but it's, um, yeah, it serves a purpose. Uh, there's, a, there's a fence in a garden and there's a hole in the fence and this little, uh, and this, uh, this chap has decided to put his willy through the fence. And on the other side is a goose and the goose has bitten his willy. And it says, the boy blames the goose, the goose blames the boy. And it's the whole sort of, uh, the idea that, um, that is a that there's a process of what happened there and decisions were made and if you are part of that process then you are as accountable to the blame as as someone for instance like someone who is designing uh, who is tasked with proofing it off so I would be sitting in my old uh, in my old office and something would come back with a mistake and the um, the, the studio's response or party line would be well you proofed it off and I would be sitting there like twiddling my thumbs like guys but we we have to be better like we designed this we should have maybe read it before more thoroughly when we sent it to the client and things like that and that stuck with me throughout my entire career and I don't know if it's done me more harm than good <laughs> because uh, I started to feel very responsible for things um, and, uh, and as I'm getting older I'm starting to acknowledge that Actually, I don't think I am responsible. Uh, it doesn't serve me well to think that everything is my fault, you know, uh, or that certain things that go wrong are my fault. Um, so, yeah, it's been that 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 phrase and that book actually. It's, it's a very interesting book, and it's very it's very good because it's um, it's it's pretty short, but it gives you really good examples of um, creative situations, you know. Um, and I recommend that to, to your readers, but just be careful because you know you have to take it certain things with a pinch of salt. Um, but um, yeah, it's been, that that has been um, quite uh, uh, a big point in my life. Maybe I took that too much 
um, as as sort of um, a given that you know if I'm part of the process, then it, then it's my fault. Um, I think it's an interesting point, Matt, because it happens in all all walks of life, and you know you you've used the word blame there. You know, and, and where 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 it starts from, who's to blame when something goes wrong, then it becomes very much, you know, throwing things at each other where, you know, again, I've been in all sorts of situations like that, you know, whether that's things that have gone to print, whether it's things that haven't happened in the process, you know, and we make assumptions, we think people are doing things, we communicate and we both hear what we want to hear and don't double check, you know, there's all sorts mm. of things that can break down in in any of those processes and it can be that you know things have run late you know often in I know in creative processes you know because you know even even producing learning is a creative process at the end of the day and quite often mm. you're at the you know there's a there's an unmovable deadline at the end and there's a, you know content being given to you at the beginning or whatever and it you know there's a, a clearly agreed timetable set out everyone agrees to do things and then things start to slip yeah. the only thing the only thing that doesn't slip is the end deadline and yeah. all best all best laid plans <laughs> can disappear because yeah. you know the work that came into you maybe you know that's rushed around or it's done last thing at night because that didn't come in at the time mm. you'd allocated to it and then goes back over to the client and the client's going well I'm sure they've checked it all mm -hmm. I've got to do is sign it off and you can see where things fall down and it, yeah. you know it's often the process itself and it's like how do we remove the blame and think about the the actuality of the process and when we realize that there's a a flag or a risk occurring in that process because we know it's there yeah. we know that this is going to go wrong because everything's been squeezed and therefore we're all trying to think about how we fix it and you know sometimes we get away with it it's great sometimes there's a mistake in there sometimes it's a minor mistake and no one uh -huh. really needs to leave, lose sleep on it at the end of the day sometimes it's a catastrophic mistake and it you know fundamentally there's something that's gone out wrong you know uh -huh. and fundamentally wrong that's going to cause a big issue and I think it's again being able to unpick those things and being able to depersonalize them as well because I think yeah, if, I think that's, if you, that's key yeah, I think sorry to interrupt, but you, you've you've said the word process a few times now, and actually yeah. I think that's the key, isn't it? It's just like well, blame bl placing blame and uh, isn't really going to get us anywhere. How do we, the the main thing that people, in my opinion, should focus on in those situations, if you're not being fired, is uh, <laughs> is how do we stop this from happening again? You know, mm -hmm. uh, so my attitude would have been to create an internal process, perhaps that we have a proofing process that goes. I mean, maybe I think we did that anyway. We did do it, but maybe we need to have two people that look at it before it goes up to the, be proofed or it goes to be printed, you know. Um, but I kind of, I did get away from the point a little bit there, but what I was kind of trying to say was originally that's like, um, I think that uh, my work and my personality and my character, I think they're quite intertwined. And actually, um, it's uh, since since the, the things that I've learned since like um, my divorce and uh, uh, that was essentially the big, biggest time in my life I had to look at who I was, my character, where it's, you know, where it's falling short and things that I need to address. Um, and one of the big things was I was living with at that time was guilt, you know, and, you know, taking on the responsibilities and the feelings uh, of others as if I caused them um, and things like that. Can you imagine that in a, in a, in a business environment where you're running your own business and, and actually you know, when you are starting to accept responsibility and you're starting to take on feeling feeling responsible for 
um, looking after other people or and things like that can, and it starts to actually affect your income and your livelihood then that is when it can become a very very troubling situation as well as obviously in personal relationships but I had almost no boundaries and I think when we come uh, uh, there is a wider piece I think on this it's like you know when I left my old job I wanted to take on every job I don't care pay, pay me half rate blah, blah, blah. you know we're scrambling around because we're so terrified that we won't have that work or we will lose the work um, but as you're doing that, your boundaries are dropping, you're falling, you know, you're creating these relationships with these new clients and they think your rate is this, you know, it's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable over the long period. Um, so I went and I had um, CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, um, and I looked at things like my how I, what, how I feel responsible for other people's feelings, you know, and stuff like that. And, and working on that, within myself has made me a much better person in my in my working invite in a working environment um totally better um i i ended relationships that were outside like business relationships shortly after my divorce so i looked at things and i was like well that's not good for me these people don't respect me this is horrendous isn't you know the work was wasn't even well you know there's certain things that we'll say you know if, if it's a bad working relationship and you're getting paid really well maybe you can suck it up and, and and keep keep going because it is worth it in the end but you know I, I looked at um yeah I looked at my look my at myself at my working relationships and other relationships that I have with my with friends and you know and things like that and I started to address all of these all of these things that were not helping me um and uh it, it was I just find it quite interesting that that personal um that thing that happened to me personally has really affected me going forward and it's changed the way i work um massively you know and i think it's interesting that you know we are one person we're not you know split off into different people in different aspects sometimes we present different faces but that ability to see that actually maybe the way you're approaching all of your life or all of your relationships had those underpinning themes or, you know, those things you needed to look at differently for you to get that value and respect and, you know, happiness and fulfillment you're looking for from them. Mm, definitely. And, and, you know, I, I, I think the last couple of years have, have probably prompted a lot of people to be more oh, yeah. reflective <laughs> because I, I think everyone was too you know almost not everyone but lots of people are so busy before almost in the rat race that there was never a pause for for people to do this unless like you you know you've had a life event or you've had something that's caused you to pause but you know you've been on that on that journey of having that thing that that caused you to pause and then you know looking and reevaluating how you approach things so I'm sure think, your story is something people can resonate with a lot in terms of how they think or approach things. Yeah, I think that is, uh, for me, that would be uh, the a key takeaway from all of this is I think that you're talking about big life events, you know, and, and essentially things like trauma and it's how, and it's what happens to us directly after that and how we react to that, that can really make or break us, I think, um, you know, in terms of the, on the learning side of it all, that's how, that's how I learn, you know, I maybe, maybe someone that picks apart things that have happened a bit more. I've got a real serious interest in psychology, you know, and how we act and um, 
some people in situations where things go drastically wrong, they'll maybe look to um, blame external factors, you know, and I don't know how much growth or learning can happen in that sphere. Uh, but for me personally, um, I can, I basically look at myself a lot, you know, sometimes too much, definitely sometimes too much, but I look at my actions and, uh, and how those were interpreted or how they were received and how, you know, the reasons, my reasons for doing it. And um, I can be very introspective. Um, and um, only now in my life, I guess, is a point after therapy where I've looked um, through, looked at myself in, or I've been introspective through a more rational sphere, you know, uh, whereas before I would place blame entirely on myself, I'd actually say, well, hang on, let's look at what happened here. Why did this happen? You know, um, and start to look at essentially, I don't like to use the word responsibility so much because it doesn't, it, it's not about, I don't really believe in placing blame and things like that. It's just more like situations and personalities and all the sorts of stuff when they come together. Um, but I am at a point in my life where I will um, not feel as responsible for things that happen when I look at them more objectively. Um, but there, that's it. So when things happen, do we look at ourselves and, and ask ourselves, did I, did I cause this? What's happening, etc.? Or do we, um, and, and look to improve that, or do we just look to put the blame on external factors and learn nothing? <laughs> so, so it sounds to me like you've, you know, you've been through that life change, that experience. It's got you mm -hmm. to think about you know, you're a reflective person anyway, you unpick things, but you're doing that maybe, as you said, in a more rational way. Mm -hmm. So in your journey going forward, is that a planned journey of the things you want to achieve and work towards? Or is it, you know, an approach that you apply to the direction life takes you in? How's that going? Or has is there a plan? Is there is so, it just a different approach on that yeah. windy road? <laughs> You've got me here. Uh, you uh, you started that with you know um, talking about um, there's been a life event. You know I still think I'm in it <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to a degree. To a degree, um, it's been it has been one of the hardest things that I'm I'm having to face. I think in, uh, to figure out that life you know that, that life journey. Um, it's it's it very it's very complicated. I think you know there's multiple factors in it. Um, sometimes I think to myself, you know, like I'm single, I don't have a partner, I don't have kids, and anything like that. And those and those things can be a big purpose for people, kids, massively. I don't I don't have them, but I can imagine that you know if I did, that would become my purpose in life in a way. You know, I'm entertaining the idea of that that may not happen. So what is that bigger picture? What is that bigger purpose? Um, I've heard some people say that it doesn't matter. You shouldn't have that. And I do agree to, uh, agree to that uh, in some respects. Uh, but I don't know. I think that for me, I would see uh, having a purpose or a sense of direction as a real drive. I've got short term goals um, that are really sort of giving me some energy. But I've been in I've been in a big, big slump when it comes to, to figuring out what I'm doing with my life. Um, I feel like a part of me just feels like I'm getting ahead of my midlife crisis, just getting it out of the way nice and early. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, you really have got me there. I, um, I, I went through a stage just before the pandemic, actually, and I started to think to myself, you know, you're a graphic designer, you are um, developing a sense of um, your um, values. You're, you're developing some values, which are things like uh, 
is a reflection of what's happening in society, you know, sustainability. Um, looking at like sustainability in the environment and things like that, particularly um, I could and I looked at my what I do for a living and it's just like, well, I essentially brainwash people to consume. <laughs> How is it? And as and as my values grew, it started to really um, uh, affect how I felt about what I did for a living. Um, actually, there was a the creative festival. Um, I'm quite proud of this actually because it took a, a quite a lot of balls to do. But um, there was a, a creative festival in Margate I went to, and there was an ad agency talking about creating a sustainable advert. Um, and they were t talking about how they directed a video across the world by using Zoom. You know, they posted out a camera to these uh, to the girls that were starring in the women that were starring in the advert. And uh, they, they had this whole talk about how no one flew out there. They just directed it all remotely and all this sorts of stuff. And I said to them after they gave their talk, I put my hand up and I said, hiya. Arguably, the most sustainable advert is one that doesn't exist. <laughs> how do you uh, how do you how do you feel about um, the, uh, the fact that, you know, you're essentially designing um, or creating adverts for consumption? Um, and does that weigh on your conscience at all? Um, and their attitude was, no, I agree with it. You know, it's like, well, it's going to happen either way. <laughs> so let's try and be environmentally or uh, friendly or sustainable with it. Um, but my sense of values grew and I started working more with charities. Um, I switched to well, wanting to do more video work as well. I think that that's video is, is my future. Um, I do struggle still sometimes with, I say struggle, I've, I've got a really I had a, a chat with my therapist not so long ago about neuro neurodiversity and this is something which is kind of becoming a real big thing in my life because I'm recognizing that I've got a, essentially like a bit of a magpie effect I've, I've got a lot of self-belief in being able to create and it doesn't and, and that does it doesn't obviously I'm not held back in in what I do create so uh, one week I'll be doing photos one week I'll be doing graphic design one week I'll be doing installations somewhere you know, and, and, and you can imagine that trying to move forward and be have a sense of direction when that is essentially how you operate, it can be quite tough. And I, I listened to a podcast called um, Make Art Not Content. He was talking about having your Polaris star. You know, it's not how hard you can work towards. It's not how hard you can work towards one thing. It's how, how much you can ignore everything else around you, you know. Mm -hmm. But I still I don't know. You know, I still feel that, you know, today I've just I come back from the studio. I was doing a painting, you know, tomorrow I'm, I'm off to film with the BRC, you know, to shoot interviews and capture some podcast audio. Um, I'm shooting videos for myself, interviews about um, a gentleman who sadly passed away in 2012, I believe it was in 2012, who left us thousands of drawings of cars. You know, we're working to create a gallery and video and a, a, a coloring in book to send to hospitals to improve the lives of people that are in those hospitals you know um how can how can i have a sense of direction james <laughs> i just it's it's a tough one it's a tough one but i do i do believe that um going forward i would like to do more video work um i am emotional uh, emotionally articulate creative and i think that the video personally and um, even discussions like this um, are where, and I, you know, I'm quite good with people. Uh, I think that that's where my future lies, to be honest with you. Yeah.
I like the the challenge back. You know, you're talking about the most sustainable ad is 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 an ad that doesn't happen yeah. at all because <laughs> you see that a lot of you know ethically companies jumping on bandwagons or effectively we're going to do harm to the environment, but we're going to do less harm than we've done before. But we're going to continue yeah, it's a starting, doing the harm. It's a yeah, it is. It's a so we've got to where we are and people are you know moving back but they can't necessarily just go okay we're going to stop all adverts you know as, yeah. as an ad agency yeah, I'm, i think that would be quite self-defeating but <laughs> but you know so people are making steps back but i think those those questions where you do step back and really challenge an industry so where people have stepped back and say challenge fast fashion and saying you know ethically we still need to wear clothes and all of those things but do we need to change quite as often or mm -hmm. have the fashion you know cycle that's driving that consumption so i think there are some real challenges that people are putting back to some of those things that have become normal or perceived to be normal within mm -hmm. all promoted by advertising and everything else as being normal etc so i think it, it it's good for people to ask those challenges um and it's good that people are actually like yourself going back and saying I can do something myself so I can go and change my client base or I can start to think on focusing on a variety of different work and you know not necessarily having that one single purpose but an eclectic set of work that's maybe you know touching on some of those value things more mm. more often for people because I think that's what people do challenge is saying you know for myself I had the same journey getting towards when my son was born I was looking at it and saying how am I ever going to spend time and be a good parent if I'm doing the types of work I was doing at the time because I was I would never have had any time around him and what's the point point? and you know you do have to make those decisions but again I've stepped away from businesses in the past because I felt they've been unethical in their the way they've approached people or the way they've approached business or the way they've approached my function in learning and development you know I'm I want to help people learn develop grow and be better if I felt I'm there and you know doing a load of surface wash and, and tick boxing that's not for me not everyone will make those decisions but I think having that ability to question yourself to understand those parts of you that are important to you and explore that because we don't know and yeah. those things change I think you've actually you've just touched on something there because um, just something you said just made me think about what I said earlier about um, stepping away from graphic design and hats off to you because this is quite interesting. Um, perhaps I need to be in the graphic design sector because I'm conscious of the environment, you know, uh, who's going to replace me, maybe someone who doesn't care and is just like, you know, not taking in taking things into consideration. Um, yeah, that's a very good point. Perhaps I should just maintain that, but make sure that I'm always uh, making um, sustainable choices with the design that I do. Probably wouldn't have a lot of work, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting one because, again, you know, I think, I think video is immensely powerful. And, you know, the best videographers I've worked with or, or you know, are people like yourself who have that emotional connection and can really draw out people's stories and can do that storytelling bit and make it more than just something that's glossy but something that's yeah. really you know touches people and connects with people and we know when we've seen those types of videos when we've we've been involved in those and there aren't a lot of them are out really when you look mm -hmm. at it there's a lot of things that are slick and well done but somebody can really attach and 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 build emotion and tell a story i think that's an immensely powerful and you know great thing to apply to any different sector because it's so powerful storytelling
that's that actually going to get you up. It's in terms of direction. I've got a plan in the not so distant future to um, start reaching out to to people and companies to ask me to ask them if they have a story or anything they want to tell um, and not video. Don't say, oh, do you want a video? You know, mm -hmm. I want to say, do you want a, do you want a story? You know, what's what is your story? Um, but I don't it's, it's somewhat stubborn. And I think it's from the things that I've learned over the years. Um, it's that I don't want to um, produce what they want in a way. How weird does that sound? I want to produce what I want to produce because I know that I can make impactful, hard fitting things. And, and that's why I want to kind of step away from the videographer um, that, um, name tag and move more towards being the director. But it doesn't mean I want to step away from the camera because you know, directors are, are very hands off. But I want I want to be known and trusted for being able to produce compelling video content. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think one of the attitudes I have when looking for clients and working with clients is finding brave clients um, because clients that aren't brave will have you producing the same mundane stuff uh, as everybody else um, and that is not the stuff that impacts the world in my opinion so so yeah working uh, working on um, being trusted with people's stories is something that I really want to um, sort of look at in the future. Uh, no, I love that because that resonates with our us as a business as well. We we were talking about what makes our clients similar because they're in like you different sectors, different types of work we do. There's no one project that is the same as the next one. Mm -hmm. But the the thing that does line up across all of our clients is they actually want to do something that has an impact and they, they don't want to do the same old as everyone else. They want to do something that's right for their people, right for their purpose or whatever that happens to be. And it's it's not not you can't put in a Google search or a search on LinkedIn to find those clients. But you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's about building that story <laughs> and about building that point of difference because it's it's not the easy road to tread. The easy road to tread is just to, as you said, be the videographer that just produces whatever the client turns up with and keeps the client happy to mm -hmm. actually challenge and you know, push the mold and stuff it is brave. It is brave. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Uh, one of the bravest clients that I think we, I, my generation would be the 2012 Olympic Committee. <laughs> uh, the uh, the London uh, the London 2012 logo um, is was one of those ones where it's. Uh, I, I don't think anyone will ever forget it. You know, um, and it's the same with things like Silit Bang and other brands. It's just the stuff that you know looks when you look at it you think someone would be insane to pay for that but it's the stuff that we end up never forgetting <laughs> in a way so yeah i think that's quite that's, that's important to me brave clients trusting clients as well because they have to, there's a certain amount of trust um you know um i'm lucky enough to have a bit of a catalog of video work that conveys that i can do what i can do um so I don't know if there's any aspiring young creative video makers or filmmakers out there, go out and shoot your own stuff like you're not already. <laughs> so. so if people do want to, you know, connect in, have a look at your work, you know, find out more about you, have a further conversation, what's the best way of them doing that, Matt? Well, <laughs> my phone number is... <laughs> um, I actually have just started, I, I came off Instagram not so long ago. Um, through my introspection and my therapy, I learned a lot about my relationship with it. So Instagram is actually probably not the best place to contact me. Um, my Instagram handle is at Matthew John Murphy. 
um, and I use that primarily to post and promote my newsletter, which I send out, which this will no doubt feature on. Um, I send out a newsletter every one, one or two weeks. Um, if you want to sign up for it, you can go to murphycreative.co.uk um, and it's on the homepage there. You can sign up or you can contact me on my website, essentially. But yeah, my website is definitely the best place to get me. And we'll make sure that those links are in the show notes below. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. You could you could uh, also remove the bit where I fluff my own website as well. That would be great. In Definitely fact, no, do that as well. No, <laughs> no, you can leave that in actually, and even leave this bit in because it's quite funny. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll we'll make it. We'll leave the authentic bits in, and anything yeah. else that's coming up for you. So any exciting projects or anything you're really passionate about that's coming up? Well, um, as you know, actually, I'm I'm working with the BRC. Um, the British Retail Consortium to uh, help produce content for their um, summer leadership um, schools and uh, creating retail leaders of the future, which I think is is fantastic because, again, it, they're looking at things like uh, the, the effect of retail on the planet, um, looking at things like uh, inclusivity in the workplace, you know, all this good stuff, which is going to make the world a better place. Um, and I'm working closely with them on producing some of that content. Um, what else have I got in the pipeline? The project I said about the gentleman uh, who unfortunately passed away but left us with all this artwork, you know, I just saw that as an opportunity to um, improve the lives of people. He died in hospital. He was there for five months and every day he drew eight drawings. His name was Leonard. And when I saw that he had left, I think I found this, I was shown his artworks about seven, eight years later. I was like, we have to do something with this. You know, this can't just sit here. This guy's got a legacy. It's sitting right here. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm working with a, um, a doctor, a site, an art-based, oh guys, a science-based artist who is also a doctor uh, called Dr. Lizzie Burns to hopefully um, to improve the lives of patients in hospitals. Um, and then I've got my YouTube channel, which will have hopefully when the pandemic allows me to um, trips and trips around the, the world, um, well, starting with the UK um, and shooting some cinematic travel stuff. Um, but I, I, I kind of I want to have a little bit of a twist on it. Um, I want to, uh, the, one of the ones I'm looking at doing is traveling to Iceland, uh, but I would like to go by train and by boat. Um, should probably take me about six, six or seven days. So, yeah, just throw myself out there back into the world and see what comes comes from it. So. That's brilliant, Matt. And thank you for sharing that today. And, uh, you know, it's been great to catch up and yeah. look forward to seeing what happens next, where you travel to next. And yeah, I love your travel stuff because you know, <laughs> I saw, saw the one of you heading off to Mount Olympus and stuff. Yeah. So I think yeah. there's some really interesting bits of video work that you've got out there as well that people could dip into. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Reinvented podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you've not already done so, please follow our podcast. And if the learning effect can help you and your organisation, please do get in touch. You can find both James and Katie on LinkedIn and our contact details are in the show notes below.